Hey, this is Ben Lindbergh. You're about to hear a bonus episode on the MLB Show feed, originally from Baseball Barbecue. We'll be back on Wednesday morning, breaking down all things LCS. In the meantime, enjoy Jake and Jordan. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network that carries to center field at Globe Life Park in Texas. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, hello. Oh, wow. We must be uh, some level of superhuman with uh, excellent, uh, excellent carry, excellent just... We, we it takes a lot. It takes we're a lot. Juiced. We, we're fucking juiced. We have that baby. energy. We are juiced. And not only are we juiced, we are juiced up because the time is 1 a.m. Eastern on early Thursday morning. I am back in the car recording a podcast. It is mere minutes after the incredible Dodgers-Padres Game 2 showdown. lot to talk about there. Machado, Brewstar, Cody, Kelly. A lot of names, a lot of things to say. And we'll get to that in one second. All right, Jordan, the game just ended uh, a true classic, a true like you feel like uh, the type of postseason game where you feel like you have an extra organ in your chest that like isn't there most of the time that's like pulsating throughout. And I got to say, when it was four to one Dodgers after five innings, I was not feeling great about this series getting any more interesting, but If I've learned anything this season, it is to always count on the Padres making the baseball game interesting and Clayton Kershaw serving up his annual back-to-back home runs in the postseason. Okay, I'm hopping in right now. Hopping in right now. Serving up to me (laughs) as an active verb implies failure. The Machado pitch was a great pitch, like a foot below the zone, and Machado is just a freak in his. Sorry, out. sorry, friends. I was just trying to rile up uh, the world's number one Clayton Kershaw defender, Jake Mintz, and he was on point. I was trying to sneak one past him at 1 a.m. Eastern, but nope. he was ready. He was so ready. No, of course, I know Kershaw's been good, but obviously not facing the shitty Brewers anymore, so a little bit of a different situation, but Kershaw still looked very good. But we get those back-to-back homers. We get an electric... Honestly, we love Tim Anderson. He basically did the Tim Anderson... Bat flip, but better. That's what that was. That was what the, it was. The same thing. It well, was the, the same style. The moment, the moment elevated it, right? Of but, course, of course. And to do a bat flip when you're still behind mm. is notable because it is an amplifying one, right? It is the the intent of what Machado did is to get the Padres going. The Padres, a team we know by this point, feed off of that kind of thing, and so it's just like a kind of a smart move, honestly, and. and- I mean, can we credit him doing that with Eric Hosmer then immediately hitting another home run? I, I mean, I well, it, part of me wishes he would have done that at the at the end of the game so that Eric Hosmer didn't ground it to second yeah. base. But okay, we'll, we'll get to there. So he does that, and then it's like, holy shit. And then, oh my goodness. Then we have later, one unreal. of just the most ridiculous uh, combinations of players and moments and plays that I can remember in the postseason in a very, very long time, which is Fernando Tatis Jr. coming up with a chance as the go-ahead run 
absolutely destroys a 99-mile-an-hour fastball from Bruce Gratterall out to deep center field where Cody Bellinger, last year's MVP, who I literally do not know if we've mentioned his name once the entire season. I really think there's a chance we have not even mentioned Cody Bellinger on this podcast this season because he hasn't been very good. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good baseball player. It just means that we're playing a stupid 60-game season during a pandemic and there's going to be small sample sizes where guys like Cody Bellinger aren't that good. And here he is. Uh, by the way, after hitting a home run earlier in the game, uh, just just making one of the most incredible home run robs that we've ever seen. It was really fucking cool. It was so cool. It was spectacular. Just the way he tracked it down and that it was to tease, like all of it was great. And then it it was kind of like a moment in one of your favorite TV shows where characters who don't always interact who are like your favorite characters are all in the same scene together. Like they all just run into each other and you're like, yo, it's like the meme of like Leonardo DiCaprio. Or is that, that's Leo, right? Pointing at the yes. TV. It's <laughs> like all the old Tatis is there. And, right. And Bruce Starr, I've been tweeting about him all year. The fact that we could mash all three of those together in the same play um, was really, really, really something special. And just, I mean, Bellinger, like it, it's an amazing catch. He is an amazing amazing player like he in ways that we have now become used to because the Dodgers have been in the postseason and I know part of this is that Bellinger has not been very good in the postseason that has already been a a part of his resume as a young amazing major leaguer is that he has not been great in the postseason which is crazy because he's only 25 and but has already played so much postseason baseball that we think he has this reputation but to have that homer in the fourth and then to have that moment it was like oh right the dodgers also have this dude who's one of the best you know 20 players in the world um uh the reaction afterwards the process of events to me was basically the way that i saw it was jawing between machado and bruce star machado who was on deck bruce star who moments before had given up a fucking rocket to the wall and resulted in Bruce Starr waving bye-bye to Machado and blowing him a kiss. Then the camera cuts to Machado, and he's basically saying, get the fuck out of here. Like, it was like, I'll see you later, or like, I'll, we'll, I'll handle, we'll handle this later. And then the Dodgers and the Padres yelling back and forth. Machado was clearly pissed off. I thought everyone handled themselves well. I loved perfect. it. It was great. It was perfect. If you're Bruce Starr, it looks a little silly to blow the kiss after you got rocked, but being fired up and like being emotive and throwing your glove after your team gets out of a big spot, that's great. If you're Machado, if I'm Manny Machado in that spot, you know when you stub your toe and like you hate everything in For the world? For those eight seconds, you just hate you, everything, right? You fucking hate everything. Right. That catch happening to your team in that spot is the baseball equivalent of stubbing your toe on the stairs, right? It is. And those resulting seconds, as long as you like don't do like a crime or put anyone's life in danger, be as pissed off as you want. So I have no issue with Machado basically telling Bruce Starr to get the fuck out of here either, and I, right? That's the thing, right? Exactly, because I because obviously Machado gets this stuff and Mookie had a great quote after the game because they asked him, oh, you guys were done. He's like, yeah, well, he hit his home run. He threw the bat. We take one away. We can celebrate too. There's two sides. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's what baseball should be. Bingo. It's great. I don't it's think it's that like complicated. And I'm it's glad great. that like yeah. these are the teams that we should be able to trust to have these kind of interactions. Be mad. Be excited. And then, you know, Machado grounds out against Bruce Dar uh, in the next inning. And he's, you know, they're they're both like working. And you think like, oh, is Machado's like, no, he, he went, ran past the man, went, went yep. back, went back to dugout. And that was that. Like, fine. Exactly. This is, like you said, exactly how it should have been handled. 
Okay, I want to quick take a quick detour from this play, although tangentially related, before we get back to this series and talk about Globe Life Field for a minute here. Because the Globe, baby. We got it. We got to talk about the Globe. Okay. Globe so, Death Field. So, where globes was, go to die right. in now, the this, outfield. To, to be very clear, uh, you know, this doesn't take anything away from the Bellinger play because it was amazing, right? Um, this was much more of a thing that was being discussed during game one when the Dodgers, who still won handily, had like five balls that were absolutely destroyed that all the Dodgers fans were used to being home runs throughout the regular season and were just fine, just in the you know 410 right center gap or like 398, the left field, whatever. And everyone was like, oh God, Globe Life Field, like this sucks, we want our homers. Now this is funny in contrast to the A's Astros series, which is basically a home run every five minutes and people are like, oh, this is too much, whatever, we'll get to that in a second. But I have to take a bit of a victory lap here because when we did a podcast over a month ago when the Rangers are in the midst of putting up one of the worst offensive seasons ever, I said, this is right when they announced, oh, we're going to be playing our neutral site games. And uh, take a listen to hear to, to, to what I said about how what this discourse was going to be like. Just, just take a listen. The bigger issue here, which is really why I'm bringing up the bad, is that their ballpark has apparently become the biggest pitcher's ballpark in the entire league. Wow. And that is a stunning turnaround for a team that was playing in one of the most hitter-friendly ballparks for the last however many years and is most relevant, not to super get into this now, but this sounds like where we're going to be playing some neutral site postseason games. And I'm not going to love that if there are no home runs hit in the postseason because everyone is playing in this giant Costco known as Globe Life Field. This is exactly what happens in the College World Series when they go to Omaha and the TD Ameritrade ballpark is like way too big for college baseball players and no one hits home runs. I agree with you. I don't want it to turn into like 2017 Game 5 Dodgers Astros dong fest. Right. But at the same time, like, give me some homers. Right. Also, right. put Joey Gallo in the most offensive ballpark. I don't need I him know. hitting in a underwater. And I know that the Rangers also just don't have very many good hitters, and that's part of why they have the historically disastrous numbers right now. Um, but, like, the ballpark is a problem, and it's yeah. more than just what it looks like. Oh, he's got receipts. Okay. Got receipts. Okay, <laughs> listen. Now, I when I brought that up, I, I did realize, like, okay, listen, small sample size. The Rangers' offense is horrible. It's not that many games. But man, it did not take long for people to start pointing this out. And it's clear. Like, listen, do we know if, if Globe Life Field is actually the biggest pitcher's park in baseball now? No, we don't know that for sure. We're not, no matter what happens in this postseason. But like you said back a month ago, I fear that we are heading towards over these next couple of weeks what it is in the College World Series, where it's like, oh, that was crushed. Oh, this baseball field's too big. Like, you should be rewarded for a home run there. Um, and that could end up being frustrating. And, and just as we know that the Dodgers or Padres, if they make a miraculous series comeback here, are about to play the next two weeks in this giant ballpark. Uh, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Yes, we it, it, uh, it gave us the gift of the Bellinger catch. I mean, the, the parks change everything, right? And yeah. so we we are blessed with what we've received. Would we get more dingers? Yes. I'm concerned with what you said, right? Which is the idea that you want, and this was the problem with the juice ball year too. It is like your brain is used to seeing a swing and a ball leaving a bat and it conditions you to understand what is about to happen. And anything that kind of fucks with that on either side of it is confusing and hard to follow. Uh, let's 
hop back in now to the end of the Dodgers game. Yes. Uh, goes to the ninth inning. Kenley comes out, gets an out, lets in a run, gets an out, lets in another run, looks gassed, looks exhausted. Like, he just looks physically tired on the mound. Um, Tatis is up. Go ahead, run at the dish. And Dave Roberts, with a brisk walk, like a suburban mom uh, on an exercise walk out to the mound, like he's trying to get Fitbit steps to yank Kenley and bring in fucking Joe Kelly, who hasn't pitched in two weeks. Crazy. <laughs> who promptly uh, walks Tatis, walks Machado, and then gets Eric Hosmer to ground out to second. But like, what an insane thing to do. And again, I'm not going to go review all who, who they should have brought in, or maybe it shouldn't have been Kenley or maybe whatever. We know it's always going to be Kenley in these situations. But just to go to Joe Kelly there is just, it's just crazy. I just I love it. don't I love know it. why. I love it. I love it. I love it. I fucking love it. Roll, dude, who cares? Fucking go for it. Who cares? I, yanking, okay, going to Joe Kelly, that we that is a different conversation. Yanking Kenley in that spot takes guts. Oh, no, Roberts. I'm for that. I think that was the yeah, right move. Kenley did not have sure, it in that spot. Sure, sure, sure. And to go out there and get, the best closer in franchise history who's been there f- since we were like, you know, tweens. That's that's an impressive managerial, no, that's true. managerial that's true. move, in my opinion. Going to Ke- to Kelly is a different conversation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Eric Hosmer. Said, yeah. I, I want to talk about Eric Hosmer for a second. Machado and Tatis, two of the most impressive walks I've really ever seen because Joe Kelly, you have no fucking idea where the ball's going, right? So like... You you don't know what the hell is gonna happen, and they took pitches that were awesome, like awesome, disgusting three two pitches. They spat on them, and then the one one pitch to Eric Hosmer just fucking swings over the curveball, and then he rolls over on one later in the yeah. at bat. It was such a wet fart way to end the game, yeah. but truly a great, great, great night of baseball. And it was it was that great thing where it was like oh, like so impressive for Tatis. To draw that walk, especially swinging on the first pitch on the slider, swinging out of his shoes there. And then it was like, oh, God, like he's just going to swing. And then to work that walk. And then for Machado to, again, like have the like, you know, pass the baton. But we're all like, no, don't pass pass it. Swing. (laughs) Like, please, like, just do something. Like, I'd rather you like lunge. I don't know. Whatever. So, I mean, this is obviously a stupid argument, but it was frustrating. Um, I know Hosmer had the homer earlier, but still. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it was it was very impressive. I will say though, uh, looking forward, Dodgers up two zero now. Um, it looks like it's going to be Adrian Morihone for San Diego in Game Three. Don't know about the Dodgers, uh, but if we're thinking big, t- like I mean, the Dodgers are the best best team in baseball. They look great still. They're fucking up and they're still winning. But I mean, Kenley is going to be something to watch because we watched him slowly decline, very very slowly. He's still always he's still good enough to keep going to him. But I don't know, man, like. It's it's not trending in the right direction for him, um, and I don't know if they're going to need him again in this series. But like, it's going to be interesting if they get to the CS and there's no off days, and like they might just go to someone else and like say Blake trying and just shuts like has two saves and two nights in a row and just looks great. Maybe it's like oh fuck, well, now we're that's the other thing is like what yeah. are you going to do? Use Kenley in the in the seventh? Maybe, right, right, but like right. we've never seen that ever, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's yeah. just hard for Stephen to think about it. I am bummed out about 
two things in regards to the series. One is that it's only a five gamer. Yeah. Just like over in the AL, these, I pretty sure the two when healthy are the two best teams in the national league. I know that is some Atlanta slander and we'll get to them. We think they're really, really, really good. I'm bummed that this is a five game set and I'm bummed that the Padres don't have their two arms at the front because if both of those things were, were different, this could have been, and it's still been amazing. This could have been a truly unbelievable showdown. Hopefully we get it in the future. Yeah. But like you said, though, uh, we're still so thankful for what the Padres have already given us, not just in the regular season, but with of the course. Cardinals comeback and with even tonight and making this an amazing baseball game when it really didn't look like it had to be after five innings. Yes. It's uh, like in a movie about a football team, like a high school football team, like they win the climactic game and then like they lose right away in state or whatever. And like, it's fine. Like, it's cool. Good season. Like, you did Had it. a good time. Had the Padres, time. obviously, they want to win. They have already succeeded past all of our expectations. If they go down fighting against the Dodgers, no one, no fans are going to be mad or disappointed or, you know, furious at the organization. Here's the success. Uh, may the dads continue to live onward. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. This episode of Baseball Barbecue is brought to you by FanDuel. I've got to tell you about my favorite bet concept this season. I've been playing same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and it is the most fun I've ever had betting. They're pretty simple. All you have to do is combine multiple bets from one game into a single parlay. This way, the payouts are even bigger when you win. I'm taking a look at Game 3, Braves-Marlins in this NLDS, and I'm looking at Braves minus one and a half. I know we love Sixto Sanchez and we think he is the future of the Marlins organization, but the Braves offense is starting to click. I'm liking the minus one and a half. And in terms of the homers, I mean, Freddie Freeman seems like the kind of guy that will not be faced at all facing Sixto. Freddie Freeman plus 390 to hit a home run in this game three. Braves sweeping their way into the NLCS. I love that same game parlay right there. Now, there is one catch. FanDuel is the only sports book that has these same game parlays. So if you don't already have a FanDuel account, use promo code BBQ when you sign up so they know we sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code BBQ. 21 and up, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, or Iowa. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Colorado. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Iowa. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, okay, let us move on uh, from this one. We obviously had to lead with that because that is what is most fresh here at 1.14 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, but let's go to a series that I know coming into this divisional round, we were the least excited about for some obvious reasons. But let's talk about Oakland and Houston. Oakland not looking good in the first two games. And then today, come out fighting, avoiding elimination. Now, obviously, we talked about how this was not going to get the attention, obviously, of Yankees Rays. Everybody hates the Astros. They also don't think the Astros are that good. And we also don't think Oakland's that good. So it's like, why do we care? The real storyline of this series so far has been the ball absolutely flying out of Dodger Stadium because they're playing in the middle of the afternoon and it's 95 degrees and the ball's still juice. But mostly those first two things. 
And so we've had a ridiculous amount of home runs. Houston showed up. We got a great Framber performance. We got a really, you know, Lance wasn't that good, but Christian Javier, the rookies were good. Autumn George. Autumn George. Springer has been outstanding. And it was looking like, holy shit, are the Astros just going to turn it on here and make us all hate them even more and roll into the CS? And Oakland came out fighting today, and they they blew it a few times, but fortunately with Liam Hendricks, they, they came were back, able to, dude. Uh, yeah, they came back. I mean, the Astros were up seven to four. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought they were cooked. That they were totally just going to roll over, and they didn't. Credit to him, uh, Liam Hendricks today. Just well, he threw three innings. Three innings, yeah. So he didn't pitch in the first two games. Obviously, they didn't really need him, but three innings, one hit, four strikeouts, no walks. I mean, he's again and a I, lot of screams. This, a lot of screams. We we said this on the, on the divisional people. Like he's been, you know, this year and last year, one of the five best relievers in in, in the league, and he's he's amazing. Um, and that was goodness, a college yeah. baseball type performance as yeah. a reliever, mm-hmm. three innings. Now they might have cooked him. <laughs> they, oh, I think they. I have <laughs> to imagine they cooked. I think him. it's the right move. You I, rule with a five game set. You got to win the game you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially when you're about to get eliminated. But. Uh, hopefully he's got a little bit of juice left in the tank. I mean, who the hell knows? It'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So he threw, throws 37 pitches, three innings in game three. Like, I imagine he's not available for game four. But if they can win that and push it to five, like, I, I imagine he'll find his way back out there. And um, so, yeah. Zach Granke is MIA yeah. right now, has not started any of these games, has some shoulder or general arm discomfort. That seems like a big deal, considering he's like the only adult pitcher mm-hmm. on the team right now. Uh, um, at the time of recording, we don't know who's starting uh, for game four for Houston. We know it's going to be Frankie Montas, who I know you're a big fan of him. He has not really it. performed in the way uh, that you maybe expected. A great stuff, though. And I, I still like this option for them more than Mike <laughs> Fires. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. They might need for game five. And but but yeah, like I, I like Frankie. So if, not, not uh, if like a giraffe is a one and uh, like Clinton Portis is a 10, Frankie Montas is like a 7.7. Do you want to explain what you're grading here? I'm grading Great Necks. Oh, Great <laughs> Big <laughs> What necks. about Great Neck New York? Where does Great Neck New York? That's what I said. Frankie Montas moved to Great Neck. Moved to Great Neck. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yes, we we like Frankie uh, and his his big boy neck. Um, but, yeah. So uh, the, I, Astros, I, the Astros have stayed on their dumb shit of trying to be like, no one believes in you. Yeah. Uh, no one. It's not that we don't believe in you. Yeah. It. It's just, we don't really want to hear you talk about it. Yeah. Uh, there was something like, oh yeah, we got a bunch of nobodies on this team. Like we don't get the big contracts. You got the fourth highest payroll in baseball. doesn't make any sense. Now look, again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. To me, in my head, two different Astros teams. You got the young pitchers, <laughs> right? They're just one crew. Yeah. They're cool shit. Got Anoli yep. and Andre Humberto. Just and Brooks Rayleigh cool. back from Korea. Like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> all love you guys. That's great. Fromber, Javier, like all for it. And then everything else, everything else, be quiet. No thanks. More Don't difficult to it. think about that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it is very funny. It is very Dusty much. Dusty Baker, you're Dusty cool Baker, shit. A plus. Be love my it. dad. Love right, right. So it is very uh, weird watching them. Um, and I know people are now kind of coming to grips with it. But credit to Oakland for for pushing it to, to a fourth game. and. Um, yeah, hopefully they can they can they can keep it going because um, I think Oakland's better, but I don't know. So Second weird. best words in sports, game five. Very, <laughs> we always root for game five. All right, from the Oakland A's to the New York Yankees, Jordan Schusterman, the Yankees and the Rays. This one, this is you know, I will say, 
even though people are not at the games and there are no games happening in New York, living in New York City during a Yankees postseason series, it's pretty much just the same as it's been. It's Feels great. like it, yeah. yeah you it's can, you really can... great. You can talk to anybody and they'll be like, yeah, they should start a Gashioka. <laughs> Who needs Gary? Who needs Gary? The yeah, Yankees okay. do. So obviously the whole uh, game two uh, fiasco uh, with Hap Garcia, I mean, I'm sure they talked about that uh, at length on, on Ringer MLB show. And like, that is like, yeah, that was a big, a big part of it. And that changed the complexion of the series. But then going into this one, like, okay, it's whatever. We're tied. Game three. T- t- game three. It's Tanaka Morton. That seems pretty even. Like, that seems like I w- wouldn't lean one way or the other in any so- for any sort of reason. Like, that looks pretty even. And the Rays and the fucking unbelievable Randy Rosarena, who is currently rocking a 2-1-0-9 OPS in this here postseason. I'm going to go um, ahead and take, can I go yeah. ahead and take, uh, you took your Globe Life victory oh, lap, please. pat on the back. Please go ahead, yeah. I'm going to take mine here. Uh, you know, I said players to watch. Uh, I said Randy Rosarena. And uh, you can't really watch the series without watching him. So feel good about that. I received texts from people uh, I don't talk to very often congratulating me, in fact, mm. Jordan, on my Randy Rosarena pick. Uh, and mazel. so to those people, I say, mazel, thank mazel. you. Uh, it, it, he, I just watched a couple of Rays games at the end of the year. That's really it. Yeah, wow. uh, You're a genius. I know. What, I, what, what, a, what a fortune teller. <laughs> Here's what I want to say about Randy. Because um, I did not bring this up last time. Let's go back a year ago. Oh my God! I was going to bring this up too. A I was going to bring this up too. Has think about how much has changed for Randy Rosarena. If you recall, uh, about around this time last year, almost exactly to the day, I think it was October tenth. So this is so fucking good. The St. Louis Cardinals defeated the Atlanta Braves. Uh, a, a thrashing at the ten run inning. Oh my God! And they had a guy named Randy Rosarena on the roster. He was same Randy Rosarena. What'd you say? Same Randy Rosarena. It's the same guy. Yeah, no, not a different okay. guy. This is actually the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Randy okay. Rosarena was on the roster uh, for that series. He I, Basically the 25th man. I mean, he was like, you know, bench, defense, pinch runner, whatever. And after that series, uh, a video basically came out of Mike Schilt just cursing up a storm, saying like, we're going to fuck up F them, F them, like whoever they were going to play next. They didn't even know they were playing the Nats yet. They're like, we're going to do this, 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 this. And basically, the reason why that video was leaked is because Randy Arozarena was Instagram living it after the postgame, which is without media. And so this video comes out, and Mike Schilt, I mean, at, at the time, there's so many levels of this, because at the time, everyone was like, damn, oh, Mike Schilt. Like, all of our hard stupid people, like, oh, this is great. Like, oh, it'll run through a brick wall. Now, obviously, that was fucking stupid, and that's usually fucking stupid, and the Cardinals rolled over in the CS. But the point is is that Randy Rosarena, this random rookie who nobody cared about, had to apologize and was like embarrassed because he basically exposed yeah. his manager, and everyone was like, oh, this is dummy. Like, I know we all liked the speech, and it was cool, but like, it was embarrassing for him. Like, it, it was truly like a It was a random private rookie. moment for a reason. Exactly, exactly. And Randy, this guy who nobody knew, this was what was happening to him a year ago. <laughs> then he gets traded this past offseason to the Rays, <laughs> He's, he has COVID for the first freaking month of the year or whatever. Um, he's doing push-ups and eating yeah, chicken and it, rice, apparently. He's, he's never leaving his apartment. Then he finally makes his, his his season debut with the Rays. He's amazing for in the games that he plays. And then now he's the best player in the postseason. I mean, just just an it's amazing. Incredible. Just an amazing thing. 
Um, uh, so the Rays, led by Randy, jump on Tanaka, hit some good, well-timed home runs. Uh, I'm going to say something about umpiring quickly. Do this off my chest. My general take on umpiring. I Do I think the Yankees got screwed on a couple of tough calls? I think they did. I think they did. I can never complain about umpiring, and here's why. The Over the course of baseball history, it is long enough that the scales of justice in bad umpiring will even out. There is no way that all umpires in that have ever umpired hate one team more collectively with a purpose. Now, in certain moments, certain games, certain situations, you know, calls are made and can kind of suck for a team and it's unlucky. The pitch that uh, I was the the three two pitch to Adamas probably low, but guess what? There was probably a pitch in like 1997 in the you know NL DS with the Yankees that was like probably low, and they got the call. So I find it very hard to get riled up about this type of thing. Yeah, especially just like strikes on stuff is exhausting. Save your fucking game day scream caps. I just I just don't care. Don't need like them. obviously I wish all of the like if you want the if you want the freaking robo umps just say it. Like that's fine. Like I'm I'm willing to talk about that. That's fine. But I I'm not I just, I'm not I, willing Jake's to not, talk right? about that. So but but I'm just saying like but Jordan's here. that or like I'm 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 pretty in the middle on those so like fine. Like but don't I just can't stand it. A game day screen cap Twitter drives me crazy. Like it just, uh, it is worse. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, let's yeah. move. Let's move from that to something incredibly nice, which is Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, the Yankees yeah. are now on the brink. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has been on uh, the brink of something else the last couple of days. He has what now? Home runs in five consecutive games in the postseason, the second longest streak. Next to that time, Daniel Murphy was on drugs. Uh, not actually. I don't. That was a joke. He had Jesus. Uh, it was Daniel Murphy went full. Jesus. It was like angels in the outfield, but with Jesus. Um, and he's got six homers over those five games. He is fully operational. Uh, Mike Giancarlo Stanton. It is super cool, man. I very much pull for him and enjoy watching him crush baseballs. It's been a delight. I especially watching him crush baseballs than the Yankees lose. I mean, this is about as good as Great it can combo. get for us neutral fans. Uh, sorry, that was obnoxious, but mostly true. Um, but but yeah, so <laughs> I, I I think uh, I'm just happy to see him playing at all. Obviously, we haven't had a whole lot of that the last few years. And as I think our good friend Lindsay Adler said, like uh, if we have we are fortunate enough to have fans in the stands next year, uh, hopefully the home fans won't be booing him like they were uh, for the last That's few years. That's true. So but, that would be good. Uh, Really impressive performance from the Rays. They're yeah, just mean, like, better, like, man. I feel like the Yankees could come back and win the series. Yeah. The Rays are a more complete baseball team top to bottom. They are. It is such an impressive accumulation of pieces on that squad. And again, it's like the fun thing about their lineup is that you can basically put it in any order. They get in this game three, Brandon Lau and Austin Meadows go 0 for 9. And Kevin Kiermeyer and Michael Perez, who are batting eight and nine, go four for eight with six RBIs, and it's like it doesn't matter. Like the, the they will show up, and they'll they'll someone's going to show up and do something. And how pitchers think about lineups, mm-hmm. I think, and whether this is the right way to think about it or not, this is the way pitchers, a lot of pitchers, think about lineups. Is oh, okay, if I can work around this guy in the four hole, and then I got the guy in the five. And then I can, oh, I can just kind of breeze through, ease off a little bit, seven, eight, nine. Like you can kind of do that with the Yankees sometimes, like especially 
you have like Higashioka down at the bottom or whatever. And, you know, the Marlins lineup is just all that basically. But there are are moments as a pitcher where, you know, you can like take a little bit off and you can kind of finesse your way through it. You can't with Tampa because like you said, like the dude hitting ninth could just be hitting fourth and you'd be, it would be no different. Yeah. Um, It's, it's really just so impressive. (laughs) And I just, I, everything about them um, is, is very, very cool. And I'm happy to see them succeeding uh and we will see though uh, because again like you said though yankees are still really good too and they could still come back and win the series yeah the Not yankees could co- totally come back and win too i believe we've got jordan montgomery uh starting game four against Cur- the rays currently <laughs> listed ryan thompson the uh, side-arming rookie who i imagine would just be the opener and then they'll just raise it to victory love it um, but I mean who knows I literally could say anybody and I'd be like I like the Rays chances great uh, pick let us move on to our final series Jake Mintz the Marlins the Magic Marlins Lynn Sanity the hot fish, as you've been calling them. I, I want to say something uh, about hashtag hot fish oh, before yes, we talk ahead. about the cold fish. Yeah. Please. So in, in thinking of stupid jokes uh, in my head about hashtag hot fish or, you know, like I tweeted frigid ceviche uh, as they are now, I came to the realization that you almost always want fish to be cold and not hot from a preservation perspective. Obviously, when you eat fish, it's probably better to have been hot at one point too inefficient, probably an exception. But like, I was thinking like, oh, wow, the Marlins look like, they look terrible. Someone left the tuna out in the sun. That stinks. And then I realized that that was hot fish. And I got myself caught like a finger trap. Maybe that is the problem, is that when they get hot, it's actually dangerous and not They can't be hot for too long because then it gets rank. can't be hot for too long because you're fish and that's just not good. Uh, wow, that really explains everything. I don't think I have anything else to add. I think that all right, just that's totally Braves Marlins. Um, okay, here's really all that we need to say. Um, they were batting Magnery Sierra and Chad Wallach in the postseason game. The thing about the Marlins is, as much as we love them, and as much as they are truly one of my favorite baseball stories of my lifetime, uh, is what we had what Boog mentioned last week. It's just like it's not a good lineup. Like there's no, does it? There's no amount of. Listen, I love the Marlins. I love the Marlins vibes. That's why I took the Marlins vibes and not the Marlins Great lineup. <laughs> because, because the Marlins lineup would go behind 25 other teams. And at some point, even if the Braves... By the way, Ian Anderson is really fucking good. So really first good. of all, let's just say that. But like the Braves have pitchers, and especially their bullpen, which is a bunch of adults, as we like to say, Darren O'Day, Will Smith, Mark Melanson, like they're going to get you out pretty easily. And Darren O'Day, definitely an adult. Yeah. And so Marlins have three hits and the Braves pitching look great. And now they're going to cruise into game three against Sixto, who's obviously, you know, maybe a little bit more scary. But the Braves offense, which did get Ofer from Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna today still managing to win this uh, is, is is pretty good. And I think that I'm excited to watch them at, hopefully at full strength and cruising well into whoever they play in the CS. The Braves, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, there's two sides to the coin for me because on one hand, they were fortunate that they got the coldest offense in baseball in the first round and then like one of the worst offenses in baseball in the second round. And some of that credit goes to Freed and it goes to the great bullpen and it goes to Anderson, yes, but it is not as if they faced two juggernaut 
powerhouse really lineups really back point. to back, right? And on one hand, like you have to give them credit for what they've done against the teams that they have faced, right? Like you still have to go out there and, and throw the rock, right? And they're they're doing exactly what and they're right. doing that, and that's yeah. great. But there's the other side, which is like, okay, if they have to go face the Dodgers, for sure. Like, are they ready for that? For sure. Maybe for they sure. are. Maybe they aren't. And I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Foolish Baseball, who's a big Braves fan. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what the plan is after Anderson and, and Freed. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, well, you know what? Every other team's plan in this crazy postseason 2020 is who knows. So yeah, it's not there's everyone's no, throwing their relievers. Nobody like, has no one a knows, third, man. like, hell yeah, starter. Really right. at all. Especially, um, which is weird coming after last year when the Nats had Corbin, right? Mm -hmm. It is, to me, it's the type of thing when you're having a tough time in life and you look around and like, you realize that no one else, you know, has this shit figured out too. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm a mess, but like, hey, Jordan's a mess. Nice. Yeah. So it's great. Exactly. And that's the Braves three starter. That's a great, that's a great way to put it. Um, and Kyle Wright, uh, I know he has been relatively disappointing for a top five pick. But he looked good down the stretch. And again, like, I like his chances against this lineup. Like, I think I don't see why he can't have some success there. Um, Kyle that Wright, said, just get through the lineup once challenge. Yeah, seriously. Uh, that said, I am glad that we will get to watch Sixto uh, one more time, at least, hopefully, probably one more time this season because he has been one of the breakout stars of the 2020 season. And um, no matter how it goes tomorrow, uh, I'm very, the Marlins have to just feel great that, like, finally they have, like, a fucking Dude, like, finally, yeah. we will have an all-star that's not there by default. It's because he's one of the best players in the league. Like, right. <laughs> they have needed that ever since they traded away all their players. Like, they've been looking for this, and uh, and they finally have that. So, I am looking forward to one more 6 to start for sure. Yeah, the uh, two more points here. One is about the Braves' arms, and, like, it, it, if you're a Braves fan, you're like, what do we do now? It's like, well... Didn't you spend the last five years just accumulating pitchers who are like pretty good and could only get through the lineup like maybe one time? Maybe they're a block reliever. Like, don't they have like 12? Like, where's Bryce Wilson? Like, Tukey. Like, these are the dudes who they were kind of creating and they should be around. Like, now's the time. Yeah. I mean, of course. No Soroka is a killer, right? I no mean, Soroka this, is a game changer, th and that—that that would have been. I know we haven't thought about him in a while, and that was such a fluke injury. Um, and there, of course, they're not the only team with injuries. Obviously, oh, Justin Verlander, or whatever. Like, of course, but like, he is such a big part of that, and uh, that would look very different. Um, but, but still, I still think, like you said, though, like it's still hard to not feel pretty good about Atlanta. Like, they still have a lot to like. Um, and Anderson's shown me enough too that it's like, all right, like I trust I, this guy. I trust him to not suck. Yeah. <laughs> And then one more thing about the Marlins. Like, I don't want to put nails in the coffin for the Marlins or the Padres yet. Yeah. But both down 2-0, I would say the two most uh, delightful and uh, spiritually uplifting teams. I would pay for a consolation series between these two teams. And as the NLCS is ongoing or during the World Series, MLB set it up. Do it in Arizona, no fans, mm. and just like give me seven games, Marlins, Padres. I love it. Who says no? Probably the Mar Marlins and the Padres. Probably the Marlins who um, want to see their families totally get and it. need to like take a nap after the insane season <laughs> they just went through. Marlins, um, Padres yes. play doubleheaders for my amusement. Marlins, uh, you have made us proud. 
you you have no matter yeah. how it goes, you, how, no matter how you go out, you have made it. No well. matter how hot or cold the fish may be. Indeed. Uh, all right, Jake. Uh, I feel pretty good about uh, where we're at here. Uh, again, thank you to the A's for extending that series. We will see if the Marlins or Padres are able to extend those series. Um, but it's been it's been a pretty solid divisional round. We've had some some pretty good moments, um, and uh, I know we'll be back. Uh, on Monday, hopefully, and the series will be over because there are no off days. And then we'll be heading into round two of the bubble. And um, I, I hope everyone can can stay stay healthy and we can keep playing baseball. Uh, before we leave, I want to just say MLB is currently trying to sneak a bunch of things through under the wire in regards to their relationship with minor league baseball. There's a lot of good postseason baseball right now. Obviously, this podcast, we just spent the first 45 minutes talking about it. The uh, the death knell of the Appalachian League being turned into a college league. And what are they now calling minor league teams? Turned, like licensed affiliates. Yeah, it all has a very yeah. ominous tone to it. The contraction of minor league baseball has been going on for some time. If you need to know why this is a bad, concerning thing, we did a whole podcast on it. We'll probably do another whole podcast on it. I just want to say it fucking sucks. And I think the timing of it is very slimy. Yeah. I mean, the agreement ran out when it ran out, which was October 1st. Um, but it is weird to be publicly still putting out any announcements about this stuff during the postseason. I agree. That is no bueno. Um, but yeah, we love the miners. If that's one of our favorite podcasts that we did before the season started. So uh, I would encourage you all to go check that out because it is extremely evergreen. And if yeah. you love the miners too, and you haven't listened to it yet, you will definitely enjoy that. Uh, all right. I think that is all we have. Uh, pretty good. I, only one. Well, listen, not, not too late here. You know, last week we were done at like two 30 now it's only one 30. Uh, so thank you. Jake about Mintz. Thank you to your car. Thank you to Bobby Wagner, our wonderful producer. Um, anybody else we need to thank? Thank you to Fernando Tatis Jr. for making this baseball season emotionally worth it for me. This by the next time we record, he might we might have seen our last Tatis of the year. So make sure you turn in, turn in, tune in tomorrow, the next day, the day after if they're still playing. Get as much Tatis Jr. as you can fit in your pockets because you're not going to get to watch him for like five months. So I just am going to really binge watch and like cram in the Tatis over the next couple of days. Could not. I'm thankful. Could not agree more. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it. We cool. will uh, talk to you all in the next round of this weird bubble. Goodbye. Friends. Actually, wait, right before oh. we finish, can I bring in Joe Kelly? For this? Oh yeah. Joe Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible Finishes time. Out. Really just makes no sense at all. He Finish hasn't podcasted in weeks, but just, just get, get him in here. Just get him in here. Okay. Yeah. He's coming cool, in. Cool, cool. Coming in. All right. All right cool. Hi, everyone. Ben Lindbergh again. If you like what you heard today, make sure you're following Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.